0: Yes, gardening talk back here on 2NURFM 103.7. And, uh, sitting opposite me, as we always like to have in the studio on a Monday afternoon, David Peterson from Walls End Community Nurseries. G'day, David.
1: Hello, Phil, and good afternoon, everyone. And it is a great day.
0: Isn't it just maybe even just a little bit too hot for me? (laughs) Uh, I was away for the weekend, came home, and I had a lechonol here in a hanging basket that I thought was set up for the the weekend and just completely frizzled. Yes. So um, a West Australian desert plant. Mm, (laughs) mm. So, yeah, taking us all a bit by surprise maybe.
1: It has, uh, as it always does. I mean, of course, we had this really, really early in the season and we went back to sort of winter-spring and uh, we've come out with a vengeance again because there's even a little bit of a hot wind blowing there today. Yes, very much so. So, yes, watering, watering, watering.
0: Yep and um we we talk about that a bit later yep. on but I mm-hmm. mentioned mulching 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 Yes, as well. as
1: well that's right yep all those sorts of things that we love doing at this time of the year
0: David's here to answer all of your gardening questions the number to ring 49216216 he's here until half past 1 but don't leave it till the very last moment now's a good time to give us a call uh, 49216216 if you're gardener it's out in the uh, the garden. It's probably a little bit, little bit warm out mm, there at the moment. At the moment. Yeah, call them in, give them a cool drink, sit them down by the phone and uh, the radio, and they can give David a call about any problems. that have cropped up over the weekend and also anything uh, positive they'd like to report to, anything you'd like to skite about or um, any tips you'd like to spread around the gardeners of the hunter, the number to ring 49216216. Okay, um, are we right to go I'm today? ready to go, Jill. Okay, uh, 18 minutes past 12, Gardening talk back on 2NURFM 103.7, and we start off the calls today by saying hello to Leonie from Head & Greta. Hello, Leonie.
2: Hello, David. Um, I'm to, wanting
3: to grow some ginger, and I have no idea how you go about ginger, where you start, or anything like
1: that. Okay, well, if it's the eating ginger that you're wanting to grow... Yeah. Uh, it's it's usually just you just go to a grocer, fruit shop, buy a piece of ginger, stick it in the ground, and it'll grow for you. It's as easy as that.
2: Oh. OK. I've got a piece in the fridge. Well, it probably wouldn't be any good now it's been in the fridge, would it?
1: Yes, it probably would be because it never virtually goes off. It takes months and months and months for it to go off. It's, um, oh, it's okay. really one of those things that lasts forever. Now, a little bit different to just um, sticking a cutting into the ground of anything other than a piece of ginger. Instead of sticking, you know how you stick a cutting in, Yes. You actually lay it on the top of the soil. You lay it lengthways on the top of the soil and then yes. you just push it slightly into the soil. So you're just covering the little bottom portion of the ginger yes. and then eventually you'll find there'll be shoots that will start to grow out of it very, very quickly. So oh, very, wow. very so, easy to grow.
3: How does it
1: multiply? It just grows just, just like that. It just curls along the ground like a grub and that's your ginger and you just break pieces off of it occasionally and that's your ginger that you use inside. Sounds that's too good. easy, doesn't it? Excuse
4: me, too oh. easy, too easy. Too sunny.
1: <laughs> Wondered where you'd gone then.
4: I <laughs> no, no, just having a
1: <laughs> So yes, it's very, very easy to oh, grow. Good sunny spot in the garden, just like a normal vegetable plant. Uh, so you can even plant it amongst your vegetables and it will just continue to grow and you just break sections off when you want to use it. Oh,
4: that's wonderful. I'll be able to go and do that even today. Very good. Thank you. Let
1: me know how you go. I
4: will.
1: Okay, Bye. bye-bye. Okay.
0: Thank you, Leonie. Next caller, David, is Julie from East Maitland. Hello, Julie.
4: Oh, good afternoon to both of you. Thank you. Um, I have a problem with some uh, dwarf fruit trees. I have what I think may be leaf curl. I've never Mm. had it before. Is that what happens when you get that bubble effect on the leaf?
1: It is. It is certainly, and it mostly happens with uh, peaches and nectarines. They're the two main culprits that actually get this little bit of a curl. And it only affects... Sorry.
4: That's exactly the two that I'm asking. Okay.
1: All right, Julie. Well, what will happen now is it only affects the young foliage when it first comes out. We can prevent this from happening. It's it's too late now to try and repair it. And basically what you do to prevent that from happening is that you just spray your uh, peaches and nectarines as they're starting to swell. Now, when the buds are starting to swell, ready to break out into the foliage, you spray them with a product called copper oxychloride, and that's just sprayed to prevent... all this leaf curling from happening now that it's there you'll probably find that the leaves that get, that follow after that are going to be totally free of the leaf curl because it's only the initial foliage that comes out that it's affected by this and it only just affects the foliage it doesn't affect the way the tree fruits or anything like that at all so we can just forget about that now and just let the tree just go into normal growth
4: oh thank you i, I thought it may have i've never had it before there are and uh, I thought it might have been too late because the fruit is starting to form mm, on it mm. a little bit. But another question, the, the trees, they're the dwarf size, yes. and they would have to be about four years old, and we have never had any fruit off them yet. How long before they should normally fruit?
1: Well, you should have fruit on it the time that you buy it. That year that you buy that fruit tree, you should have fruit on it because they bear at such a young age. Now, you have them in pots, do you? Yes, very okay, well, large pots. All right, well, it might pay you probably to just get some potash around them. Now, you can actually buy potash now in a liquid form, which is basically a flower and fruit producer. And what you do with that is you just apply it like a normal liquid fertiliser. You dilute it down for nightly and water it around the root system of your plant that just encourages the flowers on the tree uh, ready for the fruit to set so that possibly may be the only thing that's missing in the ground to help produce the fruit but yeah it should start cropping from the year you buy it
4: I do have potash, but not liquid. Okay. So well, can I use what I already have? Certainly
1: you? you can. I mean, you've probably got the granulated potash, yes, which you I can have. just sprinkle around underneath it. But certainly at the same time, it won't hurt to actually get the liquid potash as well. Oh, <coughs>
4: good. Yes, well, I thought after four years... I th- I oh, my goodness. Surely we should have something. You to. should
1: have heaps and heaps of fruit on it by that time.
4: Yes. <coughs> All right, then. Well, thank you very much, and good afternoon to both Thank tell. you. Bye-bye Thanks now. Thanks a lot. Bye
0: thank you very much julian good afternoon to you um gardening talk back on two and new rfm 103.7 the number to ring 49216216 we've uh, freed up a few lines so if you've been waiting to get through give us a call straight away 49216216 next on the line david barbara from new lambton hello barbara
2: hello david how are you good thank you um look i've got a grapevine in a pot And the leaves have started to get brown blotches on them Mm -hmm. after all the rain.
1: Yes. Should
2: I be spraying it with Mancozeb?
1: Well, that would be a very good idea, just in case it is a fungal disease, because, I mean, remembering with fungal diseases, they can spread very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it only needs a droplet of water to splash onto this fungal area, and it disperses the fungal spores very fast. So, yes, some Mancozeb on it. Just, just make sure, Barbara, that you repeat that application in 14 days. That should actually take care of that problem for you, and it should go back into normal growth. But the only other thing that only mm-hmm. gets onto grapevines is that dreaded little caterpillar that looks exactly the same colour as the foliage. So keep aware of that and just make sure that when you start to see the leaves disappearing that you get in just with some diapill, which will, should get rid of that for you as well.
2: Okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much.
1: My pleasure. Have
2: a lovely day. Okay, Bye.
1: you too. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you very much, Barbara. Yeah, um, we just out this morning doing a little bit of sort of deadheading and stuff like that, and Lucy was finding caterpillars on on one of our grevilleas. It's amazing. Uh, What can you do? They're they're here already.
1: Well, I even noticed um, yesterday at work uh, people were bringing in a couple of grapevines, and there was a little caterpillar on those, and, I mean, we check those regularly. So it's amazing. They must come out one day and grow overnight and be there the following day. It's just amazing (laughs) how quickly they attack.
0: Okay, as we said before, lines are free, 49216216. Any gardening problems, give us a call. Margaret from Morissette is on the line now.
1: Hello, Margaret.
2: Hello, David.
3: Um, I'm just ringing. i planted some cabbages. I planted the seed and made the plant and then put them in, and they've all gone to seed. I'm just
1: wondering why. Okay, well, sometimes with cabbages, because they're more of a winter crop, they love the cold weather, it's Mm. possibly because it's been so warm and they've just gone straight to seed. I mean, certainly there's nothing much we can do about that once it does happen. Um, But as I said, I, I... Try not to carry cabbages throughout the summer months because of the heat. Even though you can get them, uh, this sometimes does happen that they just tend to go straight to seed. Mm,
3: every single one of mm, them. Yes. in, I think. Yes. Mm, okay, so it was the wrong time of year.
1: Well, yes, as I said, normally it's, it's a winter. Very beautiful. Yes. So, so did they get a heart to them?
3: They, they have got sort of a heart. Some of them haven't burst out
1: yet with a seed but you can feel it in there oh okay okay mm. all right now well, that's possibly the reason why it's just become a little bit too warm for them and they just dropped st- st- started going straight up to seed oh mm.
3: okay then all right thank you very sorry much. sorry
1: about that bye okay bye-bye
0: thank you very much margaret um let me see uh Catherine from brankston is on the line now. hello katherine
2: afternoon how are you babe good thank We're you good. That's good. Um, passion fruit, David. Yes. Um, I planted it, I think it was last year or the year before, and it's, um, it's crawled up the side of a, um, shed, and it just, it was massive, and it was beautiful and lush and green, and it started to develop passion fruit. This was like, um, um end of, la- end of mm. winter. Um, but then it's, um, dropped all, all the passion fruit dropped off, and it's, all the leaves have sort of withering, and it's looking decidedly terrible. I've put, um, potash on it and mm-hmm. we've also put, um, like, a, um, like an organic life product okay. on it as well all
1: right. I think possibly what may have happened there Catherine is that it may have had got something in the root system and that something may have been a fungal disease particularly when the whole plant looks a little bit withery like that and particularly when it's dropped all its uh, fruit so I would strongly suggest that you get yourself some mancozeb um, which has a million and one uses and just mix that up according to directions and water it around the root area of the passion fruit right. and then make sure you repeat that application again okay now also probably due to to this happening I think I'd be uh, giving it a little bit of a prune back to try and encourage some good growth coming from lower down on the plant so even if you cut about a third of the um, growth off from the ends as well to compensate for this loss uh, you probably may find once we get this fungal disease under control it will probably reshoot back into growth again for you
5: okay
2: um one suggestion that someone said to me was because um, it was I didn't think it was very good soil that mm-hmm. um that we used. Like is it, what, is it that it's um, used up all the goodness in the soil? But... Well,
1: it may not be that it's used up all the goodness in the soil, but certainly with passion fruit they are heavy feeders, so it is wise to actually put a, a good uh, bit of cow manure over them, particularly in the early parts of spring, to boost the soil up again. But the only other thing that may happen is, particularly because we've had a little bit of um, rain or quite a lot of rain, uh, the, it may, the root system may have gone down into heavy ground, and once that heavy ground has become so wet, uh, it probably has drowned the root system somewhat and that's why a disease may have got into the root system but certainly it wouldn't hurt to put a bit of calm around it as well just don't go overboard with a lot of fertilizers and things at the moment while it's under a little bit of stress we right. need to just get rid of this fungal disease first before we go ahead and do things like that
2: okay thank All you right. very much for that you're welcome okay bye-bye bye. you bye.
1: too bye-bye
0: thank you Catherine. Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 103.7, 49216216 is our number. And uh, if you'd like to join us, give us a call, 49216216. David Peterson here from Walls End Community Nurseries to answer your gardening questions. Shall we get back into yep. it, David? Okay, because Nancy from Doyleson is on the line. Hello, Nancy.
4: Hello, David. I'm very um, worried about my lavender. It's going berserk. It's only been in 18 months.
6: Mm-hmm. It's
4: got about four foot wide and three foot deep. And, it's, <laughs> and I'm frightened to trim it too much in case I kill it, but it needs culling. mm mm-hmm. So how... And I cut it down.
1: Well, look, be very, very careful with lavenders because I have. Um, they do. They do need trimming back. But then, if you prune them back too severely, yes, they sometimes will go backwards instead of forwards. So, it's always wise. That probably a third of the growth off the plant would be okay. And, and that's then
4: all the nice flowers.
1: <laughs> I know it is. I know it is. But unfortunately, if you can try and time it between flushes of flowers, that's probably the best thing for me to say to you. You know, you'll get a flush of flowers, and then suddenly those flowers will start to die off well that's the time to get in and just give it a little bit of a haircut because that way it'll shoot away nicely for you again and bring out some really good another flush of flowers in in further in the season of course when you've pruned it back nancy just make sure you just feed it up with just a good complete fertilizer something organic and that's in a pellet form particularly and that will bring it back to life again very quickly (coughs)
4: What about sea Is that
1: any good Sea salt is okay, but just remembering that sea salt is a root tonic. It's only basically designed for promoting the root system of plants. In your case, the plant is quite substantial by the sounds of it. So in, in other, you'd be better to go use something like um, uh, just some a Thrive or Aquasol, Fish Emulsion, uh, Flourish, any of those sorts of things that are liquid oh, those, that, you that you can... Ones, yeah, Yes, yeah, so that, that'll mm-hmm. promote the growth as well as another flush of flowers for you
4: have to get out there with my snippers <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you very much you're
1: welcome bye-bye. nancy bye-bye
0: thank you nancy uh peter you've got to cut those flowers off, i know you've got
1: to do that sometimes haven't Look, you? It, certainly even with those i mean by cutting the flowers off with the lavender of course you could cut them bring them inside dry them out uh, and uh, there's a little posy for you so
0: delightful smelling. yeah house. that's right yeah. wonderful okay um let's go to fern bay and say hello to margaret hello margaret
5: Hello, David. How are you? Good. Thank you. I have two quick questions for you. Mm. Now, the first one is I've been given a cutting of a hibiscus. Nice. I have, I've never had a go at growing them uh, before. And I just want to know, what am I supposed to do? Well, how do I go about it?
1: Okay. Well, normally with hibiscus, I mean, make sure the cutting is around about six to eight inches, we'll say in old terms, long. Right. And then you just take most of the lower foliage off that cutting So you've got a little bit of a bare stem and then a few little leaves on the top. And then you should be able to just stick that in the soil over there because it's fairly sandy. It should actually take quite easily. Don't just take one cutting. If you've you've got a reasonable piece, you could probably cut it into sections and stick all those cuttings in because you may only get one of those cuttings to strike. So Mm -hmm. certainly do that. And as I said, you could probably stick it straight into the ground over there and it will probably strike fairly easily for you.
5: Okay, and the other one is a hydrangea. <laughs> yes, oh, well, given a cutting off one of those okay. as well.
1: Well, the same with the hydrangea. You just need to cut that into sections of around about six to eight inches in length. Take right. most of the lower foliages off, and then you're just left with the bit of foliage at the top. And once again, that could be just stuck straight into the sandy soil over there.
5: Oh, very good. All right. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Thank you very much Margaret uh, 49216216 lines are free right at the moment if you've got any gardening questions here on Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Carleen from Kurumbong is on the line now David Hello Carleen.
5: Hi how are you?
0: Good thank you um,
5: My husband and I are purchasing a property in Kurumbong. we don't move for another fortnight but all of the, um, well 90% of the grass, I think it's a Kikuyu, mm-hmm. Um. it's just covered in weeds, there's more, there's actually more weeds than the grass, it's mm-hmm. I
0: just
5: do know what was thing to put on at this time of year that, we, that we'd like
0: so uh, we've- we've- Got a very dodgy line there, Carleen. But I can. I, I've You've heard, heard everything. Enough, David? What I've. Yep. Yes. Good so up.
1: basically, Carleen wants to get rid of the weeds out of a kaku well, lawn, which is probably um, quite easy to do because, I mean, certainly you'll just need to get yourself some bindi because bindi is recommended for all types of lawns. Yep. Uh, so you can get just get some bindi, spray that over the entire lawn, and basically what that does, Carleen, is it just picks out the weeds and leaves yeah. the lawn alone, and then that way you can get in if you really want to to feed the lawn to try and promote the lawn back to cover up all these bare areas again.
5: Okay so once we do that um, are we able then to like a couple of weeks later maybe top dress it or is it too late to do that?
1: If you you feel you want a top dressing I mean the only reason we need to top dress lawns is if you're filling in any hollows or gaps Mm -hmm. in the lawn but certainly no it's not too late at all because things are really starting to grow now so it is really that time of the year to start doing that sort of thing.
5: So just a bindi spray. Just bindi.
1: It's just called bindi, and it does pick out all the weeds and just leaves the lawns alone. Okay. All
5: right. Thank you so much.
0: My pleasure. Bye-bye.
5: Bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Carleen. Speaking of lawns, came back yesterday after being away for the weekend, and Mm -hmm. um, our neighbours had um, um, fed their lawn. Oh, yes. uh, uh, And if... The Pong factor <laughs> is uh, anything to do with the potency of the uh, of the lawn. David and Janelle's grass should be jumping out of the uh, out of the ground fairly shortly. Actually, I can remember when you had your garden
1: open once. filled um, I visited uh, the garden, yep. and mm-hmm. they must have just fed the lawn that particular weekend they as had well.
0: The very same stuff. Yes. Yep. yep. And uh, I mean, their lawn is always beautiful. Yes. Um, and it's oh, we well, could it's just, a good farm smell you'd yeah, put up with yeah. this it's that nutty sort of, yes. sort of smell. But we, we, <laughs> we just close the windows on that side of the house for a couple of days and uh, and they'll be right. out oh, they're great neighbours and we yes. really enjoy living next door to them. Um, Better than having
1: somebody that doesn't do any work in their garden at all. Exactly,
0: exactly, yeah. Um, and, and young Ashley was out there helping them too, which was, which was good. Good to see young kids yes, getting involved exactly. in the gardening. Okay, next on the line it's Jan. Jan's from Cardiff. Hello, Jan.
2: Hello, David. Um, this might be a strange question, but is it safe to eat potatoes that have come up through your compost, like a potato plant?
1: Yes. It's and- quite safe as long as they aren't green. Right. I mean, they'd, they'd be just normal potatoes, particularly yes. if they have matured properly and they look okay and they're firm. But yes. as I said, as long as they are not green, because remembering with green potatoes, they are poison, so you should never eat those. But certainly if they look like normal potatoes, yes, they should be fine.
2: Oh, good. Okay, thank right. you. Now, one other question. I have grown some rocket, which yes. I grew from seed. And some of the leaves have got, on the back of the leaf, it's like a tiny little bubble.
1: Yes. It's a very, it seems to be becoming very um, common, this thing that's on Rocket. It's actually rust. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> now, it's, it's probably wise to take off these leaves that have got that problem. Dispose yes. of them. Put them in a plastic bag and dispose of them because it will spread very, very quickly. Now, I know because it, Rocket is a herb that you, we don't like spraying things on them. But still, at the same time, I think it's wise to just give them a little bit of probably something like success or some pyrethrin, just in case there's traces of um, any insect infestation still there. Not that the rust is a, uh, um, an insect; it's more of a fungal disease. But it will just protect the plants a little bit better. But yes, take all those off, let some new growth come through, and it should be free of that um, that horrible little disease.
2: Okay, and it has a tiny little white mark on it on some of the leaves. Yeah.
1: Yes, well that could be just a little insect that is getting on it as well, either an aphid or a thrip may have been on it and certainly those sprays that I mentioned should keep those away as well.
2: Okay, so if I haven't sprayed and if I've eaten a leaf by mistake, would that... Is not at all. Harmful? Not
1: at all. No, no, not an. I mean, it's just that it, um, it is a fungal disease, so it's, it, it would certainly um, eventually disrupt the growing of the plant, but it's certainly no harm to us.
2: Right. Okay. All right. Well, I'll uh, spray it with success.
1: Yes. yes. Thanks, David. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
0: Thank you. Very much, uh, Jan. Yeah, that's um, very reassuring. Mm. You often wonder about those sort of things, don't you? You do,
1: but yes, I, I, I've I never heard that, uh, you know, things mm. that have diseases on them. I mean, I, I even if you eat large quantities of
0: them, I don't think it would still harm you at all. No, so. the plant diseases and human yes, diseases, yes. And different sorts of things. Okay, to Salamander Bay next, and we say hello to Sheila. Hello, Sheila. Hello,
5: David. How are
7: you? Good,
0: thank you.
5: Beautiful day?
7: It is
0: glorious.
7: Yes. Um, just a query, I've had these uh, grass trees for quite a long time, mm-hmm. and they've always flowered beautifully, which they are now, but all of a sudden they've keeled over. They're alive and flowering, but as though it can't take the weight, but before it's always, you know, sat up beautifully.
1: Oh, the flower itself, you mean?
4: Yes. Okay, all right. Out of the middle, you
1: Yes. know. No, like I don't know the reason for that. I mean, I have had the occasional one in the nursery that um, has sent up a spike and then all of a sudden it's got twists and goodness knows what to it. Yes, so. I mean, it's usually very solid,
8: yes. it's like solid wood, you yes. know.
1: But, no, I, I really don't know the reason behind that because it's not something that's readily grown. I don't come across it that often. No. Uh, it's something that I haven't really looked into. And it's but... not
7: anything you'd feed, would you? No, I, I
1: wouldn't think so. I, I just think sometimes it may have to do with sometimes the weather conditions that we get yeah. as well. But, yeah. I mean, don't yeah. quote me on that, but certainly, no, mm. I don't think it's something that's really a, a great worry. Um, no. I mean, you can no. certainly just cut the spear off if you wanted to or let it continue growing. Yes, yeah, so... So I'll let
7: it continue because yes. it's smothered in bees.
1: Yes, <laughs> as they always are, yes.
7: Yes. Mm. All right, David. Okay. Thank
1: you very much for Thank that. You. Bye Thank
0: bye-bye, you. Sheila. Bye-bye, Sheila. Thank you, Sheila. Yeah, they're usually straight, because I remember yes. when we were boys in Edgeworth, we used to make spears. Ah, we, we, yes, Because we yes. sort of, solid. You're allowed solid. to do that sort of thing then. Um, yeah, they're quite <laughs> solid and quite straight. <laughs> yes. and, and light too, which yes, is Yes, good. yes. Okay, back to the calls. Um, Terry from Rayworth is on the line. Hello, Terry.
9: Hello, David. Just over the weekend, I noticed I've got four flowering grafted eucalypts. Mm-hmm. And one of them, all the leaves, have sort of died. They've got that dying look of about them. It still has new shoots coming out on it. Yes. Now, I was speaking to someone who said it may be those um, big witty grub-like things in the ground. Mm-hmm. So, I got some granule um, type things and sprinkled it around it and watered them in. Am I on the right track?
1: Well, it's hard to say. I mean, certainly with the grafted gums, I mean, if the root system does get disturbed, you'll always get a reaction on the top of the. Um plant, which of course are the flowers and the leaves. Um, With the gums also, if they tend to dry out, if the soil tends to dry out, that would cause a lot of problems with leaves going brown and falling off. Um, and also too if they get far too wet or they get waterlogged that will also create a lot of leaf drop from the top of the plant as well. Now just in regards to flowering at the moment of course all the energy is going to the flower so therefore if the plant is suffering in, in ways of fertilizer that would cause a lot of leaf drop as well so there's a lot of different things that may cause this to happen. If you're getting the leaves that actually look like they're being eaten away, uh, certainly because there's, there's a little bit of the leaf still left there, it would just be a caterpillar that would be on it that would just be munching away at the foliage, and just a spray with a good caterpillar spray should get rid of those. So, the
6: leaves it,
9: are all intact.
1: Okay, right, and they're just drying and falling off?
9: Yeah, and just nearby, this is the pink one, mm. and just nearby I've got an orange one,
1: and it is a mess of bud. Okay, all right. Well, in that case, it must be something down in the soil that is affecting them. Uh, Whether, as I said, it's, it's got into clay and the root system's got into clay and then it's become too wet and the leaves will just sort of curl up and fall off straight away, basically nearly overnight or within a couple of days they will do that. So it's probably going to be an idea that you just try and dig down around this existing one just to see what the soil conditions are like, whether it um, has hit very hard ground or not. Now, look, certainly if it's gone to the stage where all the foliage has fallen off, um, you may not get it to come back because a lot of its energy is now going to go into its flowering period. And even when that's finished, it may just curl up its toes and die on you. Okay.
10: Is there any fertilizer I can use on
1: these? Well certainly the only fertilizer that I would suggest would be in the form of a liquid fertilizer rather than anything too strong, because with a liquid one you can just water that around the root system and hopefully that perks the plant up a little bit more than what it's looking at the moment. What do you mean, sea salt? Yeah, sea salt is great, particularly, particularly in this stage where, of course, with sea salt it is a root tonic, so therefore it's the root system that is the problem at the moment, so it, will, it should hopefully just perk the root system up and get the plant back into growth. Um, if there's a fungal disease in the ground, of course it's likely to spread to the other um, um, gum trees as well, so as a precaution sometimes it's wise to just, um, just water some fungicide around the root system as well, just as a precaution so it doesn't spread to the others.
9: Right. Um, now, it won't hurt to put gypsum around it? It certainly work-
1: won't hurt to put gypsum around because, once again, if, it, if it's the situation where the ground is very, very hard and um, sometimes clay, the gypsum will eventually work down into that area, spike around it with your garden fork, so you're creating holes for that gypsum to go down closer to the clay where the problem is. It's yeah, very
9: work- should be on Yeah, or oh, well, you would be, yes.
1: Hmm.
9: Okay, then, well, thanks, David.
1: You're welcome. Bye-bye now.
0: Thank you uh, very much, Terry. Um, to Merriweather now, and uh, Roy has got a question for you, David.
1: Yes. Hello, Roy. How are you, David? Good, thank you.
6: Yes, David, um, we've got uh, a lemon and lime, midget, midget lemon and lime. Yes. Um, put them in, they look they're really beautiful, got a, a bit of fruit off on them. And then we noticed that they got a lot of aphids, so I sprayed them with white oil. And we come back from holidays, and uh, I noticed that there was a lot of leaves had fallen again, and there was um, black, scaly-looking stuff on them. Okay. And some of the leaves had gone yellow and and crinkled up, uh, like like as if something had eaten Okay.
1: All right, first of all, in regards to white oil, I want to try and convince everyone to stop using white oil because white oil is a very, very powerful product, particularly during the warmer months because being an oil-based product, once sprayed onto any shiny surface um, in in ways of uh, foliage, that is, and particularly with citrus, it intensifies the, um, the burning action even further. So if we can try and just put our white oil right to the backs of our cupboards, if we possibly can, and then just switch over to something like pest oil. Now, pest oil is an environmentally friendly oil. Even wow. though I'm saying it's an oil, it's a fine grade of oil. So it can actually be used up to, into 50 degree temperatures and it doesn't affect the plant, whereas white oil burns our plants to pieces. So switch over to pest oil. Now, you've mentioned the curling of the leaves, which sometimes can be the cause of white oil burning the plant. oh. Uh, so this is why I've, I've made that point first to try and get rid of our white oil if we possibly can. Now, you've mentioned you've also got um, some black or scaly things on the plant. This can be a scale which can be treated with the pest oil if it's oh. very minor. But if it's very, very bad and you've got the plant being covered in this particular scaly insect, you need to go on to a product called anti-scale. So that will get rid of that for you. But as I said, as far as pest oil goes, it's a good, safe one to use on citrus. It not only will get rid of the aphids, thrifts and minor scale, it will also prevent a lot of citrus leaf miner, which is, of course, that um, little bug that gets into the young foliage. It twists all the foliage up. So it will prevent that from happening to our citrus as well. So I'm sure you're going to rush out now and buy some pest oil. I certainly am. And the
6: funny thing is that my... My mother-in-law has just been put into care, and um, I found it in her gardening thing. So she's a really good gardener, so I thought this must be pretty good stuff, <laughs> so I used it.
1: It's a very, very old product, white oil. It's been around ever since I've been working in garden centres, and that's a long time. But I do not keep white oil on the shelf at the nursery at all now. I keep okay. pest oil, and I keep the anti scale I never it's, keep it's, white oil.
6: To tell you the truth, it did. the leaves did come off very nice and glossy. <laughs> Until yes. we went away <laughs> a week right. later, but then when we come back,
1: that's what's happened. That's so right. Thanks very much for that. No, that's quite okay. As long as I've convinced you to change over to pestle, well, well, I'm now happy. Now
6: I know what white oil does, so okay. I will certainly do that. Okay, Thank you then. Much. Thank you very
1: much. Bye.
10: bye now.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Roy. Um, um, Mark from Bullaroo is next.
10: Hello, Mark. G'day. Um, just in case I don't win the prize, <laughs> for you to come and do the hour uh, walkthrough with me, I'll ask you All those right. questions, Dave. <laughs> um, I've got a a federation house in Bullaroo, a big old weatherboard place. Um, Is there a list of uh, four or five plants that you would say were traditional plants you should have in the garden that you can sort of build your garden around, if you know what I mean?
1: In the form of a tree, you mean?
10: Tree, shrubs, you know, like if I was to sort of start thinking about it and maybe buying those plants to try and get them established now knowing that maybe in, you know, 12 to 18 months I'd be able to fully dedicate time to the okay. rest of the garden. Alright, well cer-
1: certainly there would be quite a number of those and probably by far the easiest thing to do is just come along to the nursery and we can actually show you a lot of those trees that are fairly traditional because there's quite a number of them and that way you can get an idea of what they look like when you're having a look at them in the nursery and see whether they, you'd like to plant them. But yeah, look there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different deciduous trees and even to the fact where there's a lot of evergreens trees that would be quite suitable that would fit into that category for you. Right.
10: So, Okay, well if you don't mind me coming in with no, look, not at all. all over me, I'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a lunchtime visit.
1: That'll, that'll be great. Thanks very much. All right, thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, we've got the news coming up in uh, oh, about a minute and a half here on 2NURFM, but Mark raises a good point there, David. When mm-hmm. you, you're trying to create a garden that's in keeping with uh, the house and you've got a like a federation house you wouldn't really want to go planting lots of the sort of Um, sort of strappy architectural sort of things that that you would plant around a new house necessarily. uh, Well
1: that's right and basically a lot of the Federation homes are cottagey I mean mm. people like to plant cottage things and of course also too with a couple of good specimen trees in them and of course one in particular that comes to mind straight away is the Chinese tallow wood. It always fits really nicely into that sort of area it's graceful, Mm. it's got a beautiful foliage and of course it will turn all those wonderful colours during the autumn months and four. But certainly, there's uh, things like the daisies we've mentioned today, the gourds, which are those things that are really, really great that fit into Federation type mm. homes. But as you say, the, the strappy type things, which uh, basically used for modern day homes, really don't look that spectacular in a Federation style home sort of context. Yeah. Right? Veggie gardens are great, of course, in Federation style oh, homes. Everybody yeah. used to do that yes, back in the, right. the early 20th century, yes. didn't they? Yeah, so yeah. that's one thing that um, we'll be discussed with uh, Mark when he comes in as well. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Okay, um, there's nothing we need to talk about today about... Gardens, We're talking about lots of things. Uh, well, no, no information, <laughs> you know, no, no sort of bits no of paper. No announcements. Well, you know what I mean, yeah. David. So uh, we'll get back into the calls, the number 49216216. Lines are all taken at the moment, but write it down because you'll probably need to ring us sometime in the next 20 minutes. Um, first off in this section, Moira from Awabba, David. Hello, Moira
3: inquiring about hydrangeas i've planted some um from cuttings myself a couple of years ago but they're now in the wrong
1: and I was just wondering when can I transplant them Ooh, well not now Mm. (laughs) (laughs) because they should all be budding up ready to flower for Christmas time now so we do that probably in the mid of winter when they're fairly dormant uh, and they're fairly easy to move because you've cut them back and they haven't really started to shoot again yet so yeah in the mid of winter that would be probably one of the best times to consider doing that
3: well, they haven't got any buds on at the moment, and they're quite leggy. Can I still cut them back to oh, keep them
1: in? Well, that's for unusual. Yeah, because I mean, normally with hydrangeas, they should be full of leaf at the moment, and they should be showing signs of budding at the moment. If you go pruning them back now, you will miss the flowering for this year altogether.
3: Okay. So
1: I think I, if I was you, I would just leave them as they are to try and hopefully think that they're going to produce the buds ready for Christmas time
3: and, and they it, there it must be a different variety from they're not the the flat papery flowers they're they're really small light little waxy flowers
1: um right and we're, we're talking about hydrangeas yeah
3: hydrangeas like they lots of little little fl- florets yes. in them but they don't
1: develop into the big oh okay well and because there are a new series of hydrangeas out as well so perhaps it may fit into that category but they still should flower the same time initially the first flowering like all our normal hydrangeas and then the other newer varieties they will actually give you flowers off and on right through the rest of the season as well so i'd still would wait and see if they've got buds ready to flower initially Because normally they do start and flower around about late October, early November.
3: Okay.
1: But I I would wait still in your case of moving them if you possibly can. until yep. next winter, yes.
3: All right. And the other thing is agapanthus. Is there anything you can do to encourage them to bloom?
1: Not really, because, I mean, normally agapanthus will bloom naturally for you every year. You can try, if they, if you feel you don't have any success with the flowering, throw some potash around them because that's actually a flower producer and that should help the flowering of them as well.
3: Okay, because I've seen, I've seen some around that have got the flower spikes on them already started yes. you know the buds are there and mine are just leaf okay. <laughs> they're, they're still along the driveway and i'm just thinking well maybe they do develop a bit yes,
1: later they will they do they they normally i mean i haven't seen many as of yet with spikes i mean certainly they, they don't flower normally until christmas time so there still is time for them to produce those spikes of flowers okay just some potash potash is the one that's going to help produce those flower spikes yes
3: Okey-dokey. And with daisy cuttings, they won't flower the same year as you put them in the oh, cuttings of the they plant. Should. So they,
1: they should, yes, because they'll grow fairly fast, so they should flower very quickly for you.
3: Okay, thank you very much for that.
1: You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. bye-bye.
0: Thanks, Maura. Um, Barry from Tanambit is next.
1: Hello, Barry. How are you going, David? Good, thank you. Maybe we've
6: got a rum lily growing in the backyard. Yes. Now, it's nearly finished flowering and it talks about, oh, it's four half, four metres high. Mm-hmm. What happens when the finishes is flowering? Does it fall down? Do we cut
1: it down? Or what? Well, it's, it's best to cut it down because once it's finished flowering, it will then go into seed production. And, of course, unless you're wanting to collect the seeds from it, it's just as wise to cut it right down into the foliage so you don't see any of the stem at all, all and right. then that will go back into growth again for the season.
0: Oh, okay then. All right. That's, thanks very much.
1: You're welcome. Yep. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Barry. And um, Trevor from Dudley is on the line now. Hello, Trevor. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, David,
8: I have a Polygala a Grandiflora in yes. a pot. It's about um, uh, a foot high, uh, 300, uh, 300 um, millimetres. Mm-hmm. And um, I have had them before, and they're a beautiful bush. Now, the area I want to put this one into, I'm not too sure how it would go. Um, it's in a um, an elevated position which is built out from the lawn, so it's, let's say, two metres wide and r- circular sort of thing, with uh, the last part abutting back onto the lawn. What I was a little bit worried about is the root system and that, uh, because the cell has have been rocked in, would the root system push the rocks out or would they stay, you know, there's plenty of soil depth underneath, but... Uh, I was worried about the root system going out and pushing rocks out, etc.
1: Not at all, because they're very minimal with their root system with polygalas Because I've actually seen those being blown out of the ground in very strong wind times. I've had that happen? Yes, yeah, so they they are very minimal with their root system. So you shouldn't have any trouble whatsoever there.
8: Oh, uh, that's that's good news. Right. Where I've got it, there it would be a nice little uh, yes.
1: Um, sounds ch- very nice. Yes.
8: Okay, David. Thank all you right. very much for your help.
1: Thank you, Trevor. Bye bye now.
0: Thank you, Trevor. And uh, next up, we say hello to Kay from Wanchi. Hello, Kay.
5: Hello. Good afternoon to both of you.
0: Thank you. I
5: have rather a, possibly a strange question. What are the rules about planting edibles in an area where family pets have been buried?
1: Oh. Mm. Um, well, I'd... My
5: daughter's bought a pumpkin plant. Yes. And the only place we could plant it where it can roam free is in what I call my secret garden. Right. But that's where, uh, at different times over the last 18 months, I've had to bury my three little old dogs.
1: Yes. The
5: last one about five months ago. Yes. And I suddenly thought last night, well, maybe you shouldn't plant edible things in areas like that
1: you know i don't see
5: eating bacteria yes well
1: well no in actual fact I, with being not disrespectful, i mean the the the, the decaying matter oh. and blood and bone will actually be beneficial for those right. sorts of things anyway so right. in actual fact you'll probably find it will do particularly well because of all that um, that's down underneath so the, the ground So the
5: little dwarf pumpkins might end up to be
1: yes that's exactly sure-winged. right <laughs> So I think there would be no problem whatsoever about putting anything into that area. Okay, uh, it would be quite beneficial. So I, I would go ahead and do that. It
5: is a, qu- a strange question.
1: Well, it, yes, it? yes, I, I was thinking, do I, do I not know something that's been a law about doing that sort of thing? But, but no, I'm quite aware. I'm
5: thinking more about you know the disease material yes, thing. Yes. And, and I don't eat pumpkin anyway, so I don't really care. But. <laughs> but
1: I think I'd go ahead and just use the area, yes.
5: Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Kay. You yeah, eventually hear everything on these We uh, do. Programs, don't? It's don't we?
1: amazing, isn't yeah. it? I was thinking that there was something that I didn't know about then. so oh, but...
0: That can't be, David, surely. <laughs>
1: yeah, something you don't know?
0: About plants. Um, Stuart from Macquarie Hills says hello now, David. Hello, Stuart.
1: Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. You must be asked that
6: 10,000 times a day.
1: Yes, I am, yes. I'm always very well, I hope.
6: Well, that's good. <laughs> um, David, wondering about rocket bolting shortly after <laughs> the, the, the seedlings have been put in. Is it the time of year? Is it? What is it?
1: Well, it's actually the weather conditions that cause rocket to bolt. Whenever we get a... Um, Um, strong amount of heat that causes the rocket to bolt very, very quickly. That's why the most favourable time for uh, planting rocket or growing rocket is during the cooler months of the year, because during the summertime, that's exactly what it does. It just bolts to seed. So.
6: so we should give it a miss?
1: Well, yes, I mean, unless you find a nice cool spot, even probably a little bit on the shady side, even though we don't recommend that for herbs, but certainly for rocket, that will prevent it somewhat in going to seed. But look, rocket's just uh, renowned for going to seed regardless sometimes of what we do to it
6: and so are there any others that are in the same category
1: as rocket uh, coriander sometimes will bolt to seed as well depending on the conditions but they're the only two i know of that will tend to do that in the herb herb varieties okay that's very good thank All you right. very much you're welcome bye bye right. bye
0: Thank you very much, Stuart. You're speaking about rocket shooting there, David. Yes. I, I, I've often wondered why a herb beca- you know, gets called after a firecracker. And uh, Yes, I
1: just. You know, um, we'll have to look that up yeah, somewhere. That's- yeah, that's... Strange, Phil. That's a strange question that you've asked now. So
0: yeah, so I'll, I'll do some research on. on you Perhaps know, that maybe, may be I'll the reason why
1: it's called Rocket, then, because, because, because it, it, shoots. it bolts to seed <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it
0: would be called a horse if it bolts. So right. could, uh, anyway, yeah, I'll see what I can find out. Okay, um, I'll leave that with you, Phil. Okay, thank you, David. <laughs> 21 minutes past one on Gardening Talk back here on 2NURFM 103.7. Um, I think we've, we're running a little bit ahead of the switchboard here, David, and I've got a call here, not quite sure who it is. So we'll just say hello. You're talking to David.
9: Hello. Oh, how are you going? Good, thank
1: Good, you. Good, thank
0: you. You're talking to David.
9: Hi, David. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, my name's Doug and I live in Maitland.
1: Okay, Doug. What can I do for you?
9: Um, I'm having trouble with my tomato plants. They uh, seem to be they're growing beautifully and then suddenly they start to just Leaves wilt okay. and, and, and uh, start to die off. I've right. uh, already pulled three plants out like that already. Is there something I can spray on them to stop it? Or
1: Well, it certainly is, than? and I'm glad you've brought that up because it is a very, very common problem, particularly now that we're right into tomato season. The thing is with tomatoes, they're very particular. One thing they're particular in is watering. With tomatoes, they like to be watered at the same time practically every day. They don't like that watering disrupted. So, for example, if you've been watering them of a morning they don't like to be disrupted and watered over night time because that interrupts their watering program and does affect them. Now, don't ask me why that happens because I don't know the details of that. I just know that that is the case. Secondly, with tomatoes, when we see them wilt, our automatically reaction is to go out and water them again because we think they're dry. In actual fact, sometimes there's a fungal disease that gets into the root system. Now, people will often think straight away it's wilt. It's not always wilt that actually gets into tomatoes. It can be a fungal disease. Wilt is a virus, so it's not the same sort of thing. So it's always a precaution, particularly now that you've got your tomatoes up to a reasonable size. And because we're going into the warmer, humid months, which causes fungal disease to spread very fast. Occasionally, say once every two or three weeks, just get some mancozeb. Mix it up according to directions in a watering can and just water it over your tomatoes after you've watered them because that way the ground's moist, the Mancozeb goes down into the soil a lot quicker and it prevents the disease from getting into the root system that causes this wilting effect which does just cause the plant to wilt and then just slowly die. So this will prevent that from happening just by periodically doing them with Mancozeb. Mancozeb. That's right. Yes, it's a very, very popular fungicide, and I'm sure if you go into any garden centre and mention fungicide, they will automatically recommend Mankazeb to you straight away.
9: Uh, okay, I, I've cut off the the um, the branches of the tomato plant that was wilted in that, mm-hmm. and I've now noticed it's now on the stems.
1: Okay. All right, well, I think possibly for those that that have the disease, you probably best to pull them out and prevent that disease from going to your other tomatoes by using some mancozeb. It's only necessary to water the mancozeb down into the soil. You can actually water it over the foliage as well, but the main purpose is to get it down into the soil where the problem is. All right? That'll be great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Doug. Bye-bye now. Okay, bye.
0: Thank you, Doug. To uh, Raymond Terrace now, and Helen is on the line.
1: Hello, Helen.
7: Hello, good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, thank you. That's I wish I could say the same for my poor old garden.
1: Okay, what seems to be the problem?
7: <laughs> Raymond Terrace here, where I am, I'm back onto waterboard land, sort of in between, um, behind Grahamstown Dam, so mm-hmm. it's very sort of sandy poor soil here. I've got about a yard and a half. So, I, um, when we built the house, we maintained quite a few of the uh, the bloodwood gums and wattles. Oh, um, well, and I've even got a. We had an old banksia, but that died. But we've got a young one growing now. Now I'm having a problem with my wattle trees. There were two larger ones there, and they got disease in. I've got council to come and cut. Well, they were supposed to take two because they're on the outside the fence, but it's got that um, woody, almost warty. Um, growth and, and consumes in the smaller trees that I've come up and that's come up in the last 12 months. It's almost con- consuming the whole tree, the whole small plant. Is there anything I can do about it?
1: Yes, well, I'm, I'm actually not familiar with this warty appearance. I would like to see this um, as a specimen, just to see whether I do know of it or not. But certainly, what we can do to prevent any form of pests and diseases on plants is, whilst they're growing, is just to spray them just with a general insecticide to prevent any disease or insects from attacking them. So if they, if you start off at a small age, particularly if they are susceptible to this warty appearance, just to spray them, there is actually a, a product now which is called 3-in-1, which it actually has an insecticide, fungicide and miticide all mixed together, so it covers all bases. So it may be wise to keep on the lookout for that. And then just spray these trees just periodically just to prevent any of these diseases from attacking the trees.
7: Because the bigger trees are quite tall, so yes. I cannot get them. No, of course not, them, And yes. that's why I've had them. Um, the council, I've requested them to come in and cut them down. I thought that might help. So some of the young ones, I've probably got about a dozen come up in one area of the yard there I've maintained like a little woodland mm. type area there. And um, there's quite a few have come up. Some of them are d- disease-free, but most of them have... So it can be like knobbly, yes. or it can extend right along the branch. Trees, so it consumes the the branch, the twigs, the leaves. Okay. The whole lot. All right, as I said,
1: I would be quite interested to see some of this, whether you take some photographs and send them to me to the nursery or else just um, bring a sample down to the nursery and leave it if I'm not there so that I can have a look at it. But I certainly would suggest in the meantime that you try and get hold of this three in one, which uh, is actually a very, very good product now that's got the three different products all within the one concentrated um, product.
7: Particular, what seems to come from runners when I've tried to do- dig small ones out before there seems to be a runner attached yes, to them right. so they're coming um, from runners well, out they would be
1: them. the ones that you would need to get in and spray to prevent this disease from actually attacking the adults, Yes, yes.
7: Mm. yeah okay then now I heard you talking about the pest oil I yes. have um, because we've got poor soil here my t- fruit trees don't grow very well but i I've um, got a small truck yard going now and I have transferred my lemon tree into there. It's only about a metre high by about a metre wide. But every year it gets, not the curl leaf, I've got rid of that, but it gets where the, um, the new growth is very flat and retarded looking. Mm-hmm. Now, I, usually, I get in and cut that off and I destroy that, but every year the same thing happens and it seems to be all the new growth. So I'm cutting off all my new growth every year because it has this um, flat... Um, growth on the stems. Now that's some sort of is that, that's some sort of a uh, borer. Well, or
1: look, no, I don't that? think it is because I had a sample brought in to me the other day at work, and I mean, sometimes you will get this new growth that does have that flat appearance, but you'll find as it matures the flatness disappears and goes back to a normal type stem again. So it's not always the case where the, there is a problem with the growth when it comes out as that flat, In the stems seem flat as well. Um, you, yes, you can cut them out if you're too worried about it, but once again, as I said, I think once you'll find the stem matures, it goes back in just to, into a normal uh, sort of stem. It, it's not a disease or anything that's on the plant.
7: Oh, okay, because it mm. always seemed to be at the same time that I had yes, the, the, yes. the grub in the leaf that gives you that curly yes. silvery track. No, and well, I don't leaf leaf think, I don't no.
1: think it would be a problem. Just let the growth continue and I think it should go back as normal.
7: Okay. One more question. Oh. <laughs> I have um, a small Very quickly if you
0: could, Helen, we've got people waiting on. Yeah,
7: okay. The fig tree, I had a lot of fruit came on it last year. It's only about a metre by a metre but it's about six years old. The figs, um, about halfway through their growth, went dark and woody and then fell off now i could see a tiny little like a bore hole in it but What would that be? It wasn't fly, it was something else? Well,
1: you will find with figs, they do often suffer with a fungal disease. Once that fungal disease gets onto them, it does cause them to go very hard and it just works through them and causes the fruit to eventually get uh, withery and then it would fall off. So once again, just get in with a fungicide and spray them throughout the period of the maturity of the figs.
0: And I'm afraid we'll have to leave it there because we're getting very close to time and Larry from Lambton has been waiting on the line.
1: Hello, Larry.
9: Hello, David. How are you going? Good, thank you. Yeah, I'm a regular customer of yours up there at Wall's End. on you. I've got a couple of questions. Yes. Um I'm not quite sure of the time, but I, I purchased uh, like a Norfolk Island passion fruit mm. off you, and it grew like wildfire. It went really well. I got a big, a big lot of fruit off it. Probably picked the last one about a month ago. But the bush is looking... Uh, pretty dilapidated is that normal this time of the year it
1: is because it's just getting over the winter months so what i would suggest now that we're between the seasons of flowering uh, larry is just to give it a prune back just take about a third of the growth off oh, okay then just feed it up with a good citrus fertilizer and it should push into growth very very fast and then set another lot of fruit for you for this season
9: all oh, right yeah because it grew uh, Amazing how far it grew. Yes, and it will
1: reshoot again once you give it a little bit of prune back. But it's just getting over the winter months, and that's why our passion fruit always look a little bit sad yeah. during the yeah, cool i noticed a
9: few around the streets looking the same way. Yes. I wasn't sure about that one. Mm-hmm. And the other question, I bought uh, a fairly early uh, ox heart tomato. Yes. A few. Uh, it's got quite a lot of flowers and everything. Uh, yeah, I've got cow manure, a uh, bit of organic life, a bit of and I Mm -hmm. rake some sulphate of potash in the around it. Very good. But it doesn't seem to be uh, setting any fruit really in a hurry. There's plenty of flowers on the bottom bunch, and there's probably set another bunch. It's about three quarters up the stake already.
1: Just give it time with the ox heart. I mean, sometimes they are a little bit slower in producing, and of course with tomatoes in general, they require certainly a good temperature, Uh, both night and day to set the fruit. So it may be just the case where we're still getting those very, very cold nights that may be just upsetting it. But certainly with all that um, preparation you've done, you should get um, fruit eventually, no doubt, with particularly adding the potash to the ground. So just be a little more patient with those because I'm sure you'll find it will set fruit eventually.
9: Yeah, I look at the bottom flowers and there's probably some there about as... uh, a little bit bigger than
1: the pinhead I yes. look they might be coming yes no well just just just, um, just bear with it as I said because we've had those still cold nights that's possibly yeah. why you haven't had any set just at the yeah. moment this is
9: supposed to be a change coming
1: again tonight so I hear time. yes Yes. Yeah. Phil keeps telling me about that yeah.
9: <laughs> and the mango you keep on spraying with the
1: copper oxychloride every fortnight uh, well you don't need to continue spraying with the copper oxychloride it's just a matter of when the flowers are out you can spray them with the fungicide but you shouldn't need to do do it any more than that unless once we get the mangoes on that they start to get a little bit spotting on them and then you can just start and use the copper oxychloride again yeah
9: still in full flower at the moment well
1: just you only need to spray the once when it's in flower you shouldn't really need to continually spray it with the
0: copper oxychloride
9: all right all right uh, thank you larry solve all my problems okay (laughs) bye-bye
0: thank you thank you larry wow lots of people with lots of work uh, that almost uh, all down to the bottom yes, of the page I there, David. We had
1: room for just another one caller, but like... oh
0: well, maybe we'll squeeze <laughs> another one in next <laughs> next week for you. Make a full page, um, David. We're you're on overtime here, yes, so we'd better just run quickly through okay. these wonderful things you're giving away, and then let us know very who current. the winner is.
1: All right, it consists of this beautiful marguerite daisy, which is in belongs to the reflections family, and of course it's the pink with the very dark pink and black centre, really, really pretty. Uh, As well as that, I'm giving away a box of the Thrive, that's the flower and fruit, and a bottle of the EcoGuard as well as some other sachets in that little bag. And I thought I might give it to Margaret of Morissette. Now, she was one of our very early callers, and she was a little bit distressed Uh, at the time. So I thought this may cheer her day up. So Margaret, all you really need to do is pop along to Walls End Community Nurseries. Of course, that's on the corner of Crowdus and Lake Road Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program, where I will have a brand new gift to give away next Monday.
0: Well, that sounds great, David. We'll look forward to seeing you then.
1: Thank you, Phil. I'll see you then. And good gardening, everyone.